This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. What I love is the fact how, you know, when you speak about, um, when you speak about reincarnation or any of these topics, it's just entertaining for me in a very weird way that people come and be like, oh, you know, like, oh, I don't believe in that thing. It doesn't exist. Reincarnation. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Uh, what's your proofs? What, you know, what did you read? What did you learn? What do you, what do you, you know, what's, what's your, you know, where do you come from? And every question that I ask, he, they, they don't know how to answer. And I'm like, it, it, it's, it's the same idea when people come to you and you'll be like, hi, you know, I'm an atheist. And I'm like, all right, you know, so that means that uh, you proved... Atheist means that you know without a doubt of your mind that God is not... There's no such thing as a God. So did you prove God that the God doesn't exist? Do you know? Did you read all philosophies? Did you read the Torah? Did you read other philosophies? Do you understand the fact of God? Do you understand how how you look at it? Usually, what are these people? Usually, a bunch of young guys will be like, you know what? I don't believe it. And that's as far as they go. They don't know anything. What are, what are you talking about? You don't believe. You In order not to believe something, you have to do a lot of research. And then and then come to the conclusion, no, and I'll, I'll refuse the research for X, Y, and Z. But most of the times, where do they usually come from? Uh, just It's just from the talk. So uh, th- I was speaking to, to, to this person, and actually it was written in a book, and then I spoke to him in, in person as well. And he was uh, he was telling me that he was going with his uh, his family to the, they did a uh, a tour in Auschwitz, in, in the Holocaust. Uh, and one of the, so as the tour guide was going, they went into a particular building, and this person, you know, I I'll tell you who this person is. It's my wife's uncle. It's actually, oh, yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to get on a camera. Oh, whatever. All right. If he finds this lecture, then we'll, we'll deal, <laughs> have to deal with it then. So anyways, he's telling me this. He's telling me this. He's going in, uh, you know, I could tell you because it's written in the book anyways. Okay. So um, they're going in Auschwitz and the tour guide is going to a certain location. I might be saying the details not 100%, but the idea is still the same. And the tour guide's like, okay, the entrance to this, this certain whatever place is right over here. And my wife's uncle is like, no, 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 it's not over here. He says, you have to go around the back. And the tour guide's look like, you know, like, have you been here before? So he's like, he's like, no. So, so, so he's like, why do you, you know, how do you know that? He's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. And it turns out that they found out afterwards that the, the real entrance was really from the back. And they closed off that entrance and they made the new entrance over there for whatever reason. And, and there's no way that he would have known that. He has never been there before. He has never, you know, done research on it. And it's funny because you look at the book and it's like a diagram that the, you know, you, I've, I've seen it where they say, no, the entrance over here, the entrance over there. And how, how could someone know like that? Very obvious. I'll tell you like this. There was a, um, a four-year-old girl. I wish I was there. She goes over, the mother was looking on, uh, to, on, online to buy, uh, pacifiers. <coughs> so she goes, mommy, can I have a pacifier also? So the mother was like, um, no, you're four years old. You're a big girl. You don't need a pacifier. So she says, well, then if I die and I come back as a baby, can I have a pacifier then? Uh, I don't know what that mother would, would say at that time. But if I would have been there, that I would... Uh, that would have been interrogating. So what do you mean by that? You know, have you, have, you know, do you remember anything? You know, like, but if it's, it's so obvious sometimes we're like, you know, the, the little kids, sometimes they, they know more things than, than, uh, you know, than, than adults. But in any case, um, going on. So, so we're, we're going today, we're going to be speaking about this is the third Bezat Hashem, hopefully the final class on uh, reincarnation in this, uh, this mini series. And, uh, the, the, we'll, we'll hopefully gain some clarity. The main focus would be, uh, we'll speak a little bit about soulmates. We'll speak also about what sins you come back for which, uh, uh, you know, there's sometimes you could come back as animals. So what sins can make you come back as which animals? We'll speak about that. Uh, we'll speak about women in reincarnation. Um, and then hopefully, if we have time, I want to give some examples in the actual Torah of reincarnation. Right? Make it uh, something uh, practical. Uh, so, the Noam Elimelech said also something very interesting. He goes and he says that, how do you know 
you know, you have a righteous person. How do you know if this righteous person was a righteous person in his previous lifetime? Like, which means he was a tzaddik beforehand. He came back as another tzaddik. So he says, uh, you, the way that you could tell it is the way that he gives good, if he gives good advice. If you go to somebody as a righteous person and he gives good advice and the advice always, uh, you know, matches out and, and it works out well from you, you know that he has, the, the reason that he has his siyata dishmaya is because he was righteous in his previous life. However, sometimes you have a righteous person that's just righteous now for the first time. So he'll give advice and it won't be as good or, you know, as, as, uh, you know, as other people's advice. So that's one way that he could, uh, uh, that you could sort of, uh, maybe, you know, see if the person was there as a previous, uh, reincarnation, a tzaddik. Now, the, um, the idea is, is that we, this is what we spoke about very heavily in last class, is you're coming back in this world to fix something. It's not like, you know, like, you know, alright, we have some more time for Mashiach, so who wants to go down? You know, it doesn't work that way. You're here because you need to be here for a certain reason. And you're, if you're here, then you have to figure out what the reason is because you want to be able to accomplish, right? Game, game over, you want to win the game. You don't want to have to be like, game over, put another quarter and try again. So, we, we spoke about like, what do you have to do? And one of the things that is, is that whatever is the hardest for you to do, you should know that that is something that you need to work on. Not that you should cancel everything else out, but know that that is something you should focus on. So, for example, there are some people who uh, it is very, very difficult, and they do everything. But non-kosher food, is it's an unbelievable temptation for them. And then you have other people that it, it's like they'll look at non-kosher food and be like, that's disgusting, I would never eat it. So it depends on what the person's uh, uh, you know test in life is. But the idea is, is also in the in the other end of it is with the mitzvot. There are some people that are very, they love the certain mitzvot. They love chesed. The, I know people that they go nonstop to, to hospitals. They'll be there till like the middle of the night helping and running people all over the place. And you'll be like, how do you do it? Be like, are you kidding me? I live for this. I love it. And other people will be like, I can't step foot in that. It, it just drives it. So there's certain things that you, that pulls you into something. You should know you do that. You know, cause the soul is basically saying, you know, like, do this. So it is something you should do. On the flip side also, if it's something that you really don't want to do, also, they realize that that's something that you probably also need to do on. So you're looking at both ends of the extremities. Extremities. So that is uh, that is also in regards to let's say learning Torah, right? For the men, if uh, you, you, if we have an obligation always to learn Torah. Every day, day and night. When you wait, lay down. When you get up, always you have to learn Torah. But the question is, what should you learn? There's so What's much to learn. Limit? There is no limit. You have to learn always. Whenever you have a free a free time, it's not like you'll be like, all right. So, I learned for like two hours, now let me watch a three hour movie. It's not like, the, the, it's, you have free time, you have it's the... It's going to be very tricky too. Oh, it is very so tricky. So, if he tells you, if you want to do Shnai Mikra, it's like he should do everything one shot. You do one day each uh, each one, and by Shabbos you've done all seven Aliyahs. Right. But like, if he hates us tricky, he can say, oh, we'll, we'll let you do everything. And then he, he will, he'll, like, let, let, like, let's say you could do every Avera possible, and then he'll be like, yeah, put on phone, but you're still, you're still doing the Veda, so the Veda is like, mm-hmm. you're, that's what I mean, man. It, it, first of all, the, the, it is probably the best worker in the world. It's Allah. He knows you more than you know yourself. So he'll know how to, how to do it. But the idea, the, the point is, is that things have to get done. How, how does the Yetzirah usually, what's a tactic? It's tactically is not now. Let's do it later. <laughs> let's do, let, you know, you want to learn? Alright, we'll do, we'll do it a little bit. We'll do it a little bit later. We'll do Alright, alright. That, by the way, that's the same idea how you should play him in his own game. If he wants to make you sin, well, you'll tell him, do is like, not now. Not now. You know, what happens if, you know, you're like, okay, you know, I, I, I want to go to class, um, so let me go, let, let me leave my ghost, I get there on time. I'll be like, oh, but the YouTube suggestion. Oh, what's this? You know, like, I, and then before you know it, you're watching grandmother riding, riding a unicycle out in Russia, 
while drinking vodka because, and how did you get to YouTube? Who knows? You know, people that are on YouTube, they're like lost people. They're like, how did I even get here? I didn't even know what I'm doing over here. That's how YouTube gets you. That's why, by the way, when you want to learn to lie, learn from TorahAnytime.com. You go over there, there's, you don't get distracted by every, you know, like here, you, you know, here's a monkey juggling. And you're like, yes, I want to see that. I mean, that's why if you, it, it, there's a way when you, when you post videos on YouTube, you can see the retention, uh, how long people are actually able to sit and watch the, you know, the whole thing. People have very, very short attention spans. Here's a little thing. They'll sit for two minutes and they'll click something else. They'll sit this for two minutes and they'll, they'll click something else. But the idea is, the Yitzhah, how does it work? It works is, it says, okay, I want to learn. Be like, okay, yeah, yeah, you can learn. Oh, yeah, I want to wake up. I want to go, I want to go pray uh, in, in the morning for Shachrit. Be like, yeah, of course, of course you could go pray. But it's so cold outside. Just wait five more minutes in bed and you will be good. So you'll be like, all right, you know, five more minutes. What's going to be five more minutes? And Yitzhah constantly pushes you off. This is the idea what you should do also for the Yitzhah back in itself. He comes to you and he'll be like, you know, let's go, let's go do this in. I'd be like, okay, okay, let's do it. But in five minutes. But in five minutes. So play it in him as his own game. Okay, let's speak a little bit about soulmates. Right? So, soulmates. The, is there such a thing as soulmates? I really hope so. And I really know so, also. So, end of conversation. Alright, next. No, I'm just kidding. So, um, the soulmates in the, in the way that it works in reincarnation, when you speak about souls, there is one soul, uh, what, what is, what it means by soulmate, and a soul is split into two. And one goes into a woman, and one goes into a man. And when you get married, what it means by your soulmate, it's literally the other half of your soul. It's not like just like by Adam, you know, like oh, I need to get made, made. God made uh, Chava out of uh, out of Adam Alishon, you know, and that's why they're part of it. No, you're actually in a spiritual sense, you are part of your wife. You're you're one. So there was, uh, um, and the Baal Shem Tov also speaks about this. How you know that you have? Uh, think of it as like a pillar of light shining from your. Huh? No, no, no. Like just, uh, just, just think of it like as a pillar of light. Now you have this pillar of light. In, now, when you have, I mean, when you have, <laughs> you know, when you have uh, um, two two pillars of light that are shining together, it's going to be a much greater pillar of light. So you'll have this that when two when the two soulmates unite, you ha- there's a there's this greater pillar of light, which you think of it as like a connection to heaven. And there's a lot more bracha and blessing that could come now to you because your your sort of your your opening expands. I hope that makes uh, sense. Okay, but. Anyways, I want, to, I want to share with you some some uh, two stories about the soulmates. So uh, there was once a person that uh, um, that he comes into court and he files for a divorce. So he comes. I'm not talking about the legal. He comes into the rabbinical court, and uh, the rabbi goes over and they say, "Okay, maybe we could do over here. Maybe you know, do you really need a divorce?" And he tried to like. And the guy, so the rabbi saw nothing's doing, and he's like, "Okay, fine. You know what? I'm I'll grant a divorce." This was a very very big Kabbalistic rabbi that uh, uh, that uh, you know spoke, was 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 dealing this out. And he goes afterwards. They the they ask them, you know, you know, the husband, what's going on? Why do you need a divorce? And he's like, you don't understand this woman. She doesn't stop talking and talking. She talks my ear off. And then she starts screaming at me and this and that. I can't. I just can't anymore. It's suffocating me. And then uh, she's, and then she says, she says, this man says, I I talk till I'm blue. He doesn't listen. Comes out one ear, goes out the other. You know, I talk so much because he doesn't listen. So the the rabbi sees what's going on over here and says, you know what? All right, fine, fine. All right, we'll grant you the, the, the bill of divorce. And afterwards, they grant the divorce and they both, they both leave. But as they leave, the rabbi looks square in the eye of this, of this person, the man, and he says, next time keep your mouth shut. The guy nods his head and walks out. So the associate rabbi, the assistant over there, was, goes over to him and says, Rabbi, with all due respect, we see obviously that the woman was the one that was, you know, the issue over here. It wasn't the, really the man, you know, out of the whole commotion that was going on. So the rabbi says, let me tell you the story behind this, uh, behind this story. 
There was once a righteous man who lived a you know a very successful life in the religious world. He was he all the mitzvot with everything day and night, learning Torah. Unbelievable tzaddik. However, when he came up to heaven, they were, they went up there and they judged him. They said, "Okay, listen, this guy's a big tzaddik." He says, but everything was just like tainted a little bit with like a lack of happiness, and it was like just a little muddy. All the all the mitzvot. So uh, they asked him what was going on. So he says, you know, to be honest, you know, I, I was married to this woman, and this woman, I, you know, it was just, you know, she just, you know. Suffocated the life out of it. I, I, you know, just whatever. It was a terrible thing, and I figured I'm like, why get divorced? Why do that? It's just I'm probably just gonna have to come back another reincarnation and deal with her again. Might as well deal with it now. Huh. So they go over there and they says the the, the, the court up there says, you know what? I guess uh, you know it's good. It's a good excuse. Suddenly one one uh, one angel goes up there and says, oh wait a minute. He says says if he really believed in that, then he should have done it with happiness. He should have done everything with happiness. Why is he good? You know, if that's how he really believed it. Now the way that it goes in heaven, once they make an objection. It's not like, oh, come on, newbie, you know, you're new to this court, you know, why don't you stick around, listen how the other people, it doesn't work there. They make an objection, they have to go look through it. And they say, you know what, he makes a good exception, but how do we, how do we know that it is even possible? So they said, you know what, we'll send a test. We'll send you back into this world, this angel, in a human form. And we'll send this woman back in, into this, into this world, and you will get married. And if you're able to really do whatever you say that you could do, then we'll hold the other guy responsible. But if you can't, then you have to deal with, you know, then, then we know that, you know, that he was right and he just goes uh, straight to heaven. So, they agreed. And they sent him back into the world. And it says, that person that you saw was that angel that, that, you know, so I told him, next time, keep your mouth shut in heaven so you don't have to come back down here in this world. The idea is, is, uh, you're, you're here, you're in a certain situation, you're in a certain marriage for a particular reason. Many people think, you know, like, oh, what did I marry? You know, why did I marry this person? Ah, oh, what a mistake I did. And you think like you had so much to do, to do with this. Granted, yes, you had the, the ability to do that. But God made this match. And there's a reason why you're together. And if there's a reason why you're together, there's also a reason why she's that way and he and you're this way. And he's a, he's a pain in this way and she's a pain in that way. But there's a reason for that. Not to saying that you shouldn't work on yourself and, and fix the marriage. But there is a reason for for every particular circumstance. And not only that, when a spouse, you know, uh, let's say gets angry or something at another spouse. And the other spouse is the recipient of this anger. The person has to realize that it's not really the spouse that's coming. It's coming from God. God is, this spouse is sort of like the messenger. But the real, it, it's something as a, a stronger message that's coming up from Shemayim. Now there's another there's another uh, story that from uh, uh, Shneir Zaman of Ladai, which is the founder of the Lubavitch. Yeah. How do you know that it's all coming from Shemai? Because everything always only comes from Shemai. Everything is orchestrated. But we have free choice. You do have free choice, and that's why there's different messengers. I'll give you an example like this: somebody murdered somebody else. Why should this murderer? I'm sorry. Why should this murderer get punished? God obviously wanted him to die. And the answer is, there's many messengers to the place. Somebody wants to steal something. Why is that guy get The guy obviously was supposed to get lose, lose his money from God because it was the creed. And the answer is yes, it was the creed that this person was supposed to lose the money. It was the creed that this person should get murdered, whatever for whatever reason. By the way, there is a you know there is a, the ability to yeah, take him. I disagree. That Hashem, uh, the degree from Hashem. If we have free choice, that means Hashem doesn't get involved. There is. There is. Loves you so much. Every single creation unconditionally. That Hashem is all-knowing, which means if I continue smoking cigarettes, Hashem knows that that's going to lead to cancer. It knows where every path you will go, where it's going it's to lead you, but it doesn't know what you're going to pick because you have the freedom of choice. Uh, so you're talking about the very famous question of freedom, uh, of, of free will. Free will, what well, your question, if I'm not mistaken, uh, let me ask it a little bit clearer, is... is um, does God know what I'm going to be doing? Next. And, right. Which means is, if He does, then how do I have free will? Because if God... Another, another statement. 
Is that what you're asking though? Am I right on both? Okay. It goes a little deeper because Hashem, mm. first of all, Hashem is all of existence. Yes. Right? So that means that we are right a part of Hashem, a spark of Hashem, right? Mm-hmm. That means that Hashem is living through us. That's why Hashem doesn't know what you're going to do because we are, Hashem experiences its infinite self through its infinite creations. It doesn't know what you're going to do because it's not separate from you. It is you. So you are living... You're like a focal point. I hear what you're saying. Um, so you will not know what you're doing because that's separate. It's not like, oh, I know what my this robot that I created is going to do. I'll explain why you're wrong, uh, but I hear your question. Okay. I'll explain. I'll explain. I, I definitely hear your question, and it's a lengthy, a lengthy topic, and I'll try to explain it as short as I can, and then we'll continue this. And if you want, we'll we'll, we'll speak about it more afterwards. Um, but but it, it's a fascinating topic. Free will. It's such a it's such a hard concept to understand. It's, a, it's such a famous, and this is the famous question. Just so we're so we're clear, is is. If God knows what's going to, what's going to happen in the future, then I don't have free will because God already knows it. So how could I have free will? And then God, so it must be like either you're saying that God doesn't know, or God does know, and then it's hindering my free will. And the answer is neither. And it's a very very simple explanation. I'll give you now. We can speak about it more in depth afterwards. It's a class I actually want to give in, in itself. Free will is a, is a fascinating uh, topic to 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 delve into. The think of it this way: somebody goes in a time machine, goes in the future, and sees what's going to happen, comes back to this world into this time zone, whatever you want to call it, and, um, and he lives his life without like changing anything. Did he just change the future? It already changes everything. No, no, no. The, by... the very fact that he went into the... the okay, we're not talking about the butterfly. Where, yeah, yeah, there is different things. If he didn't know what happened, he would live a different life in the future. Let's say, let's say that he doesn't change anything. He just knows about it. He went to the future and he that came back. He changes everything. The, let's, say, I'll, let's say like this. Let's say like this. He goes into the future. He comes into 2020. He sees on the corner of K and Nostrand Avenue, there's a car accident. He yeah, comes back. One second, one second. We he comes back. Wait, 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 one second, one second. Let's, 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 you know we're, not talking, we're not talking about you acting. He sees a car accident on, okay, on, on, on 2020, exactly five years, whatever, four years or three years in the future. He comes back, lives his life regular for three years, and then he remembers, oh wait, I went into the future in my time machine, and I came back. And so he goes and he watches to see if it's going to happen. Is there going to be a car accident over here? The answer is 100% yes. It will. The fact that he knows is not going to change the fact that there's a drunk guy driving or there's another... The, no, it won't. The fact, you're, t- you're talking about the butterfly effect. When you're talking about the butterfly It's not going to change it. If I didn't walk into this shoe right now, my entire life would be completely different. Everything. I hope changed. so. Huh? Because because Hashem, exactly. <laughs> I like to hear that. You're what you're talking about is a very famous something called the butterfly effect. It's called the butterfly effect, which is very yeah yeah. But the idea is, is just because me knowing that there's going to be an accident is not changing the fact that there's an accident unless I'm involved with something else. Accident, but you might change the future. Okay, but you're not changing that. But that you're not changing that. Maybe. But but the idea is the idea is, and we'll leave it at this. But we'll speak about it if you want afterwards, because I, I want to get I want to finish this topic. But it's it's just because God knows the future doesn't mean it, it, there's no there's no conflicting issue with you having your free will, and God knows what's going to happen. And you have your free will, and the things is not a, is not a conflict based on that and that idea. We'll speak about it as If you want to stick around afterwards, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll definitely uh, talk it out. But anyways, going back to the story of Rabbi Shneir of the Die, he goes and there's there's a there's a um a, the man that goes over to to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, he says, I, I can't. This is my marriage. It's just too much. I can't do it. So the rabbi, so he goes to the rabbi and says, Can you please explain to me what's going on? Like, why is it so difficult for me? 
So he goes and he, the rabbi concentrates, brings himself into the spiritual, you know, as Hasidim say, you know, into the, into the upper worlds. And he goes and he comes back and he says, listen, he says, uh, he says, you know, there, there are certain sins that when a person does, he is chayaf mitah. He is, uh, um, inquiring a death penalty. So for example, one of them is, is if you serve idols. If someone serves idol worship, it's a death penalty. Now what happens if somebody who serves idols so much, every time he serves idols, it's a death penalty. What you realize, if somebody doesn't keep Shabbat, it's not like, okay, I didn't keep one Shabbat and that's it. Every sin that a person does on Shabbat is another violation of Shabbat. So if somebody goes and drives a car on Shabbat versus somebody who just accidentally flipped the light switch on, on Shabbat, well, both of them, what? Well, Driving car. But both the Shabbat. Yes, but the reason why the, the car is worse is the way that the car works is that there's uh, pistons, pistons, uh, I'm not a mechanic, but uh, what, the, the way I understand it is every time it moves up and down, there is a spark that ignites. Every spark is another, is another, and depending on the RPM, there's something like that, which you're talking about like thousands, if not millions of sparks that are happening in a car as you're driving. Every single spark is another sin of Mechadah Shabbat, you're creating a fire. Uh, electricity is also the same idea, it's producing heat. It's, uh, you know, using a cell phone on Shabbat is also one of the problems is you're producing heat, you're using electricity. Why is it punishable by death? Murder, uh, so idol worship, why is it punishable by death? No, breaking Shabbat. Why death. is it punishable? Who, who, who did you hurt? Did you hurt yourself? Did you hurt somebody? It's the law. Imagine like this. Imagine you go. Imagine you go to. Uh, imagine you go to to uh, um, the certain country, and the country is the, the law. And this is an example I like using in this particular situation. And the law of the country is uh, the king, who is a dictator, says uh, if you wear red, you're dead. You're not making out on the street. You wear blue, that's okay. Right? Uh, you came from, from, uh, we're red, you're, <laughs> you're dead, right? If you go also in certain, <laughs> if you, if you go to, into certain places in California, the rule is still uh, the same. But, uh, um, so, so he goes and, and you say, but that's ridiculous. It makes absolutely no sense. Right. He says, you're my land, you follow my rules. That's a simple understanding. God, you're in God's world. God said very simply Shabbat. Shabbat is so important. There's a whole, again, it's like an hour just to explain the importance of Shabbat. That is why, you know, the, the Shabbat is, the Kihi Makar Bacha, it's unbelievable, it's everything. Shabbat is the essence of a Jew. That's why you have a, you have a store that's owned by a Jew. It doesn't say I keep kosher. It doesn't say, you know, that I learn Torah every day. It's a Shomel Shabbat. I keep Shabbat. That's the essence of a, of a religious Jew. But in any case, well, again, we'll speak about it afterwards. Let's start a stick, uh, deal on topic. So, no problem. Okay. Okay. So the um, so he goes over back to the story where we're going from, where this person was going and he had a hard uh, um, marriage. So he says, listen, for every every sin of idol worship, you have to suffer. Uh, you have to suffer death. And he says, unfortunately, where you're coming from, in your previous reincarnation, you had you 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 uh, served so many idols so many times that there's not enough life cycles for you to come down to this world, die, go back to heaven, come back to this world, die, come back, and before Mashiach comes to fix your reincarnation. It says in, uh, the King Solomon says in, in Kohelet, it says a bad wife is bitter than death. Ask people that are married, not happily, and they'll agree with you. And they don't even know. Oh. <laughs> but everybody should have an amazing marriage. Amen. So, yeah. so the, but the idea is, he says, so, 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 yeah, amen. Thank you. So he goes and he, the, 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 the rabbi says, it says, the, the reason is you're having this situation is every time that you're, you're, you feel like it's about to like that, just realize you just died another death. And you're cleansing your, your, your backlog. So he says, fine. You know, that's, that's, you know, I, I like the way that sounds. So he goes home. And his wife every starts time, that, every time, every time that his wife comes, brings him to that brink, brink of like, you know, like, like, uh, he's gonna commit murder, that's when it's like, uh, um, and by the way, the stories can be flip sides just the other way around, with husband and, and to the wife. It just, it just happens the way that, you know, uh, the, the, the story played out. So, n- not to say that all women are bad and men are just amazing. 
It's usually the other way around. But <laughs> the, um, the, so that, the idea is like this. The idea is, is that, is, is, uh, so he, he goes and the wife is bringing him to the brink and then he starts whispering to himself, one less death, just one less death. Every time she brings him death, he's like, one less death. And he calms down and she goes, meanwhile, she's, you know, doing her regular life, you know, making his life miserable, which is, you know, one of her goals. So uh, she goes and she's like, he's like, what is he mumbling to himself? And she's like, start screaming. He says, what are you whispering to yourself every time I'm, I'm screaming at you? And he's like, what's your business? He's like, let me speak to myself. So she says, no, 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 come and tell me. So he says, fine, you know what? You know, I went to the rabbi and he told me this and he told me, you know, I gave him the whole story. And she respected the rabbi. So she's, she's thinking, she's like, he's like, wait a minute. He says, you want to get out of all your punishments from me? He says, ah, that's not going to happen. He says, first of all, I respect the rabbi. He says, if that's really a situation, I don't want to, I don't want to be that person who is cleansing your sins of all your death. And from then on, she changed her attitude. And she changed her attitude and said that they had a, an, un, an unbelievable marriage until the day that they died. They didn't get divorced, had a great marriage. But the, the idea behind both these stories is you are in a certain position for a certain reason. You married a certain person for a certain reason. You were there to accomplish something together. There is, uh, uh, there's another type of, uh, you know, idea about reincarnation that is very important to speak about. Um, and people that haven't heard about this topic find it very hard to believe. It's, uh, um, you don't only, can, you don't only necessarily get reincarnated into a human form. You can be reincarnated. There's, there's four levels according to the Kabbalah, according to the Arizal. There's four levels. By the way, majority of this information, where we're getting this is from Shah Gilbulim, which is the Arizal's book on reincarnation. So, the, uh, there is, there is four levels of, of reincarnation. Number, the lowest one is an inanimate object. You're talking about like something like stone, uh, you know, minerals, the, the ground, dirt. That's the lowest level. Then you have one level up is up as the plant life. Plants, trees, those types of things. You go one level up, that's animal, and then one level up is human. Now, when a person has to come back in reincarnation, you don't necessarily come back straight to a human form. You're, you can very likely come back at either at one, one of the, you know, of those four criteria. Come back as an animal, which we'll speak about soon. You could come back as a plant. You could come back as a mineral. And the general process is if let's say somebody comes back as a mineral, it's a process. They have to go through the mineral. And, and by the way, everything except for human, you remember your previous life. You, usually, general humans, we, we do not remember. There are some expect, ex- exceptions to the rule, but generally, you don't remember the previous lives. However, as anything else, an animal, a plant, or a, uh, the mineral, a domain, you remember everything. You remember the entire, your entire previous lives, and you're sort of, you're, it's like, it's not like, you know, I, I speak about this, and they'll, be, you know, I spoke about this once, and they're like, what do I gotta do to come back as a bird? I would love to fly. And I'm like, it's not something that is something that you want to look forward to. It's a very bad thing. Yes, we'll speak about them. Yeah, yeah. So, but, but minerals don't have like brains to remember things and stuff. It's a soul inside it. Not uh, the it, plants. Also, it is, there's not. It's not. You're not. You're not the plant. You are in the plant, and you get. Uh, well, as I'll explain this, you'll you'll understand it more. Foundation of this. Like, well, how do you, how did, where, how did the Arizal get to the point where we're gonna come back as plants? It's not the Arizal. The Arizal brought it down through Kabbalah. Kabbalah is, is, is Kabbalah, by the way, where do we, ah, very good. Where does Kabbalah come from? You are, you're not supposed to learn Kabbalistic, yeah, but this is, this is, the, the, with the way I'm, yeah, where, where this is talking, <laughs> this is very, I, that's why I go very, very, I don't go very, very deep into it. We do very, very, uh, uh, you know, just a brief understanding, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so where does Kabbalah come from? And the answer is Kabbalah comes from exactly where the oral law comes from and exactly where the written law comes from. It comes from directly from, from uh, Moshe Mahar Sinai. How did it come across? It, the way it was like this. It was, there was a written law and there was an oral law. The written law was given, uh, written, and the oral law was given orally. But in fact, what people don't realize is that everything originally was oral. 
the written law was only given 40 years after, the, after we got the Torah. When Moshe was about to, the day that he passed away, he wrote it everything down. It threw Ruach HaKodesh, like a scribe. Is it getting like, like God was basically telling him exactly what to write. So it's all from Ruach HaKodesh. The whole Tanakh is with Ruach HaKodesh. The, uh, now, oral law was also given. It's not like people think, like, okay, I get this quite, I, all the time. Drive me crazy. <coughs> uh, this thing, is it, is it forbidden from the rabbis or is it forbidden from the Torah? And I'm like, both doesn't matter. If it's forbidden, it's forbidden. It doesn't matter if it's from the rabbis, it doesn't matter if it's the Torah. It's forbidden. There's no difference in, in your aspect of, uh, for all intensive purposes, there's absolutely no difference for you. The, uh, but where does Kabbalah come from? Kabbalah is the same idea. Kabbalah was just given, it wasn't given to everybody. Kabbalah's in the word, the means... Yeah, Mikabed, you have to receive it. It's receiving from somebody else. But usually the difference is, oral law was given to all the Jews orally. Kabbalah, or the Kabbalistic concepts were given in secret. It was given only to the people that were able to, to comprehend the, 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 the idea. Nowadays, everything is already, you know, out and open. What was the, it is the, the Arizal had it, and then somebody read the, one of the Chachimim somewhere else in the world read the Arizal's book, and said, ah, oh, yes, this is exactly the teaching that I learned over here. Like, they found that, like, when the Kabbalah was compiled, it was confirmed through... First of all, the, yeah, but the Kabbalah was already written, the Zohar is the, oh, basically, Zohar. the Zohar was written, so you're talking about, you know, quite some time ago. Right. So since then, yeah, it was, it was put down, you know, they say that, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, right. So it was, it's definitely, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a fundamental aspect of the Torah. Okay. So now, Okay, alright. So, the, the idea is like this. So sometimes a person has to go through levels. You have to start off at the, at the, at the mineral. Then you go to a plant. And then you go to high, slowly, slowly higher and higher. The, uh, and, and it's not a fun con- it's not a fun idea at all. You don't want it. it. Think about it this way. You could be stuck in a wall, in a certain, and you're sort of stuck, and you could be there for like 10, 15, 20, not you, somebody else could be there for 20, 30 years. And they say even the people in the Beth Midash, if they let's say came and they spoke in the Beth Midash, one of the punishments could be that they have to come back and they stay as a, as a soul on the wall. Yes. You don't know. You don't know what's going on, uh, you know, uh, around you. So, the... Um, okay. Well, that, all the questions, I'll do it, leave it for that. Because otherwise, I'm, I'm never going to get through all this stuff. <laughs> and I want to I I wrap up the, the, whole, uh, the whole idea. You said you're going to 11 tonight. <laughs> no, I, you're, 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 not, uh, you're not scaring me off. And the only thing you're gonna do is just make me more relaxed. I don't have to rush. So, so uh, um, but no, we'll, we'll we'll go slightly overboard. So if anybody needs to leave, you know, by all means. Don't rush. You if, don't want to have to come back and do it again. <laughs> very good. <laughs> <laughs> very good. All right. So. Get the time machine ready. Yeah. <laughs> the um, the the Rabbi was once brought a uh, a a was given a bottle of whiskey, and he saved it for Shal Shodas. And Shal Shodas he poured all his chassidim shots. And it, but again, when the rabbi pours chassidim shots, it's not like let's go, guys, shots, shots, shots. You know, it's like a, it's a holy concept, right? They go and they take it, they make a bracha, and they you know, it's not, it's not the, something that's like you know, they use it like a, you know, a who knows, you know, in the bars. So he goes and he before he pours everybody a shots, and then he starts saying a story. He says, um, he says there was once a Jew that uh, made a very, very serious sin, and he never, never repented for it. And he went up to heaven, and his, you know, his punishment was he has to come back, and he has to come back into into wheat, into a grain of wheat. So he comes back into a grain of wheat, and while again, he's he's conscious that he's a grain of wheat, and he's he has to go through a certain process. How does how do you make a tikkun? One of the ways to make a tikkun for it is if let's say I'm eating this pretzel. And this, there was, let's say, a soul or whatever in this pretzel, or this apple, or the, whatever it is. When you make a bracha and you eat it, you're giving that that soul tikkun, and it goes into the into the next. So that's, by the way, how important it is to make bracha. You're actually like releasing souls if they're stuck in it. So, so 
By the way, this is something that I say also. I, I'll give this example. So let's say fruits. Fruits is a very easy one to understand. It's possible that there's a soul in the fruit. You, you, how do you do it? You make a bacha, you, you, and then the soul does it, gets its tikkun from that. That's why you have to be careful. You don't just eat something without a bacha because you could be damaging a soul. And then what happens when you have to come back again, just like you did for somebody else, they will do it to you. So again, it's not something that you want to, to, to go through the whole process again. But blessed food has actually been scientifically proven that the molecular structure of the food changes changes it becomes more beautiful interesting they tried someone they, twisting the food and see they did that in uh, in ice in icicles they did a study in that and uh, see how the icicles froze in, in Barry Lani University yeah. if I'm not mistaken it's yeah amazing. it's unbelievable and Texas Brockers talks about it about making a bra- about yeah, that. why we have to make it before bracha if you surely make our mechior or, or uh-huh. why, why, what's the beginning bracha for right so the same, like you have to, not, you can't steal. Right, very good. We're going to speak about that. Exactly. Yeah, you got it. Right on target. So, uh, the, first of all, you're showing gratitude to God. You're about to get something. But I always say this. I'm like, you look at Apple, don't start talking to it. <laughs> you know, like, what have you done? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, <laughs> he says, you know what? I'll make a bracha, but now, you know, you got to make sure next time. You know, don't, be, you know, don't start. And people, people get like scared. They're like, no, I don't want to eat anything. I don't want salt. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't affect you anyway. You're giving, you're helping it. You're making a tikkun. So anyways, going back to the story of the, <laughs> so, but it, by the way, it's a very, very serious concept. And uh, with all joking aside, it's very, very important. You make a bacha, you're, you're, you're doing a tikkun. Besides the fact that you're not stealing from God. It's all God's world. You're giving a bacha, you're saying thank you. Thank you to God for giving me this. So now, when a person, uh, uh, so he, oh, so the, he's going to, he says this, this little, this soul came into this grain. And he gets in this grain and he gets planted. Now he's thinking, okay, I'm planted, but I have to go and grow into a wheat. And then, you know, there's a whole process and be like, what happens if I don't get enough water? What happens if I get too much water and I drown? So meanwhile, he's, he's, he's nervous and he's praying, and luckily he gets enough water, and he sprouts into a little leaf. Now, he's thinking, okay, what about if a crow, come, crow comes and eats me, and, uh, you know, and then, and then I'm done. He's, you know, then he starts praying for that, that he, you know, should get it again, enough water, and not to be eaten. And then, fi- fi- finally, start the process again. So, and so, so then he goes, and uh, he goes, he, he slowly sprouts, and he goes to this, uh, uh, he becomes into, into this wheat. Now he's thinking, okay, what's going to happen? You know, am I going to be, you know, harvested? Am I going to be left and forgotten? And the whole process, every single step of the way has to go perfect in order for everything to work. And there's so many thousands of processes that have to go in. And finally, he, it, it grows. And he gets, uh, he, whatever, they plow it and they, and they put it into grain. Now he gets into put into a sack. Now he's in the sack of, of, of wheat and he's oh, thinking, yeah. What, what am I going to be? Am I, is a mouse going to eat me? And then I'm stuck and I have to start again all over. Am I going to be put into, into bread? Am I going to be baking this? And he has no idea. And he's sitting, he's sitting in a dark cellar for who knows how long. Finally, they get, they, they pull him out and they put him on a wagon and they, and they ship him off. Now he's thinking, he's like, this is it. This is the time. And he's, he's trying to figure out where he's going to be. And then it turns out he's getting fermented. He's going to turn into whiskey. Nice. So he's like, he's like, oh, he's sitting for 10 years in a barrel waiting to be, you know, to, to the ripe old age of, uh, you know, whiskey. And finally, after 10 long years, he gets put into bottles. And now he's thinking, well, you know, what now what's going to be of me? Am I going to go into some drunk uh, bar, guys in, in the bar, and they're going to just chug me down, and that's it? Am I going to... And you think about it, the process is long. It's, you're stuck in the thing. You know, it's not like, okay, let me sleep. There's no sleeping. There's no, there's no eating. There's no... You're a soul, and you're, you're living through the whole thing. It's a very, very difficult process. So he goes... And he's like, what's going to be? And he gets, and he gets sold to this tavern, to this, uh, this inn. And he's like, he's looking around. He's like, there's no Jews in this inn. What's going to, you know, what's going to happen? Is it going to, and he's like, he's like, he's like, every time that the bar, the keeper takes it out, pours another shot from somebody else, he's still inside there. Finally, 
after long, long months of, of sitting over there, there's a, he sees this person walks into the bar into, and into this inn, and he's like, that guy is dressed like a Jew. He's like, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. You know, like, pick me, pick me. You know, and uh, the, the barkeep picks, picks up the bottle and pours him a shot. And he's like, yes, done. And this, this uh, you know, weary traveler is like so exhausted. He takes a shot and he just shoots it down with Arabacha. And the guy's screaming. He's like, no, what do you do? He's like, are you kidding me? I have to do that whole process again because you didn't make the bracha. This is where I believe Yitzhak stops his story. He takes up the wine glass, makes a bracha, and then he takes a shot down. So look how important it is. You're taking a bracha. It's not, you're taking an apple and you don't make a bracha. Okay, so you miss a bracha. It's not all that. Imagine what, if there was somebody stuck inside of that. Imagine what the process that person has to go through again. The years of suffering, the years of getting stuck in it, the years of having to go through it. It's terrible. This is how careful we should be in bachot. There is ways to prove this also from Sukhini. Which, uh, uh, we don't have the time to do. But in any case, I do want to speak about now, what sins you have to come back to which animals. Now, uh, uh, the way that it's, that it's, that, that it's classified over here is not by animal, but by sin. So some of them you'll see doubles. And, and you'll understand what, uh, what I'm talking about. The, okay. Uh, general, you could come back as an animal due to either idol worship, murder, or idolatry. Or adultery, I'm sorry. Dogs. What, what makes a person come back as a dog? If someone eats unfit, non-kosher food. And this is why also, if uh, you see in, in Shemot, in Exodus, chapter... Like a Jew or just anybody? No, 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 specifically Jews, okay. in reincarnation. If for the non-Jews, we're not speaking about if they, they come back in reincarnation, they are able to become reincarnated. We know that, you know, for, for, from, like, from, from research, but, uh, uh, you know, but the idea is we're speaking about specifically Jews. Um, you come back as... Okay, so this is the Pasuk. In Exodus, chapter 22, verse 31, it says, If you have... Meat, that's not kosher, it's trefa. What do you give it to? You give it to the dogs. One of the reasons is you ate non-kosher meat last time here. Feed it again. And you can get the same thing again. You ate, so if you eat unkosher food, this is also, by the way, if you realize, because there could be souls in, in, stuck in these animals, the way that we slaughter the animals is in the least painful way. You have to make sure that there's, on the, on the knife, that there's no scratch. And you, they cut it in a very swift uh, motion. Something that is the least... Well, I don't think, there has to be, yeah, completely, completely, why? So there'd be the least pain, pain as possible for the animal. Even if there's no soul inside, it's still something called sa'al bala chayim. You know how to, you know how to call, you know, you know, there are people who will be like, let's burn ants. You know, usually little kids are a little, you know, like, you gotta be careful with them when they, you know, get older, when they like, you know, catch up cats and the, I was, I wonder when I was in college, I had to take this, I was taking this biology, um, class. I don't know why this popped into my head. And you have to open up this, you have to open up the, the cat, you have to, you know, identify the organs. So, um, one person, uh, you know, we, we, we all finished, and this guy, he skinned the cat. After he finished doing that, he actually skinned the cat. And, and that was like, I'm like, yeah, dude, <laughs> there's a therapist that, uh, I, I think it would be great for you to give a call to. But like, what's going on? Like, well, you know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, um, but it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it could be. I don't know. Uh, from that bloody smell, there's a lot of work needs to be done on that. Okay, in any case, the, um, the Kaveh uh, Yashar in chapter 34 says that not only that, but if someone speaks brazenly, like with chutzpah, without any shame at all, could come back also as a dog. And he says this is the secret of the Pasuk in Ishayahu, chapter 56, verse 11, v'haklavim azei nefesh. And the dogs are of greedy dispositions. So they could also come back as a, uh, as that. And actually, the, the Kaveh Yashar also brings down a story. I believe it's in the Kaveh Yashar. There was a, there was a, there was a rabbi, lived in the time of the Arizal. Uh, yeah, I think it was a rabbi. A very, uh, holy man, uh, well-to-do, gave a lot of charity. And his wife dealt most of the business. She was a very shrewd businesswoman. And she she went and she would deal with the business. And she dealt a lot with the neighbor. And they did business together. 
Anyway, in any case, uh, years go by and the neighbor gets very sick. And his, his, like, his sickness is a very, you know, it's like his skin is like rotting and decaying. It's like very, he, like, all expenses, whatever he can to make himself heal, to, to heal himself, and nothing doing. He actually passed away in it. And one of the parts that it, that it affected him was the genital area. It, the, the whole part was decaying and it was, it was a terrible situation. Meanwhile, who is this? The, the wife who did business? And... With the partner, this other, this other neighbor. The na- this happened to this neighbor. They were, they were cheating and... Oh, we'll see. <laughs> so, so, um, yeah. So, uh, the, a few years go by and there, it comes into this town and this nasty looking big black dog. And you look at this dog, you know, sometimes you see the, the animal and it's like, it looks like a person inside. You know, you look like something's different about this animal. And very oddly, this animal, this dog, always hung around this rabbi and, and his wife's house. And in fact, every time that the door opened, the, the dog tried to make a dart to go in. It wasn't scared of people. It kept on trying to go in. And, and the rabbi, when he would walk out to, for, uh, you know, for, for Shahid in the morning, he would always look around. He had to look around. The dog was there. He quickly opened the door and he told the servants have to be like, make sure you close the door. And the dog kept on trying to come in. And it's, a, it's the weirdest thing. And he, no matter how many times he chased it away, the dog just kept on coming back. So... He goes and uh, one day he goes out, you know, completely forgot to scream to, to lock the door back. And, you know, he walked to, to the synagogue. And meanwhile, the dog jumped, was hiding, and it ran into the house. And this dog ran from room to room as if it was searching for something. And then finally he found, you know, this, uh, you know, where this wife was sleeping. And he jumped on the bed and it started biting her, biting, biting all over different, pla- different places uh, on this woman. And she was screaming. It says she screamed so loud you heard it from a few blocks away. And uh, it, it was it was just excruciating. And when they came and they and they were able to push the get the dog out of her, they 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 went they lived in the nearby to the Arizal. So they went over to the Arizal and says, you know, something's going on over here. It's like this is a weird. What's going on over here? What's with this dog? Why, why you know the people in the house said this dog was like running around, was looking for something. And uh, the Arizal said that he says that you know this this woman, your you know this person's wife. When she was doing business with uh, with this man, she sort of seduced him, and you know they committed adultery, you know, together. This person then died. That's why his sickness was actually in focus on the genital area. He says when this person, you know, had to come back as a dog because that's one of the punishments. And when he came back as a dog, he, he was so upset because she was the one who seduced him. And he went and he went chased after her to just to to, to pay, her, you know, to try to like you know, get her back or revenge her or something like that. So. The guy, you know, the rabbi, the, the rabbi goes over to his wife, you know, and says, you know, is this true? You know, and she's excruciating pain, and, and she actually went and she actually admitted it, and she's like, she's like, yes, it is true. And the, the rabbi, whatever, obviously they, they they got divorced, and it says the story goes on that she, you know, until the days that she, you know, that she died, she was in tshuva, she was uh, working on her on her repentance. But uh, one of the things is that you can see you come back as a dog for for these issues, a fish, and like you said before, fish, you uh, the righteous people are come reincarnated as fish. One of the reasons why why righteous people and fish, one of the reasons is that there is no shechting, there's no slaughter in fish, so this, it's less painful. It's also one of the secrets that we eat fish on Shabbat. One of the one of the reasons, uh, a rock. Why do you, why do people come back as a rock for a sin of speech? As a rock cannot speak, so you're getting you know you tried to speak so much, now you can't. A bee. Uh, again, this is from the from the. I'm not just making these up with things that make sense. This is completely all that where where you know from from the books. The bee is a community leader who lords himself over over others. There's certain people that use their power when they don't need to use their power. That which is very bad. A leaf is somebody who feeds somebody else improperly slaughtered meat. meat. So the leaf is very. Why is it so painful? Is that every it feels the blows of the wind and it's very painful for the for the soul inside. It doesn't doesn't allow the soul any rest. Water. Coming back as water is uh, is a person, number one, it could be either a person who spills blood in this world, so like a murderer. 
It could also be because somebody who's not careful and was washing his hands or her hands before eating bread. And, uh, uh, as the Gemara, the Gemara in Sota says, one who eats without washing his hands is uprooted from the world and is judged with water. And this is the secret, the Kabbalistic secret behind that. Also, somebody who does even not... Even when it's not a No, no, no. Specifically only by, with, before a Moti. I, I believe. That's what the Gemara is talking about. Um, one, uh, also, the, also on the water, somebody who does not recite a blessing in advance. This is, by the way, not, not just a Moti, anything. And somebody who steals, the same idea, someone who steals from his father and mother, or befriends a destructive person, also gets reincarnated in water. Somebody who could come back as a grinding stone, like to, to grind things, is also could be with adultery with a married woman. Somebody who could come back as a bat is somebody who has a relations with an animal. A female Gentile, so you could be a Jew, and you come back as a female non-Jew, is somebody who has relations with a woman while she's on her period, uh, menstruating. Uh, somebody who come back as a female, so which means that he was a male, and he comes back again as a female, this can be a homosexual man, will come back as, as a female. And the result, somebody who is, who, who, yeah, sorry. Uh, it's just, it's just late. Uh, so I'm trying. As long as you guys don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll go a little bit slower. And if it's I, good, but some people don't can deal with it. Yeah. So, uh, I, I have, I have, I have, I've had people that ask me and be like, I, you know, it's, it's a talent. Yeah. We have to like, wait, yeah. comes back, wait, who comes back as a Gentile woman? Uh, somebody who has relations with a woman while she's on her period. A Jewish man. Jewish man. Not any kind. Yeah. But what do you say about women? They come uh, back so they as... come back as a woman. They'll come back. They can. Not, again, or not all, because you asked that very, you're like, wait, so that mean, it doesn't necessarily mean that at all. It's just, it's possible. All these things is a possibility, and we'll soon, I'll explain it a little bit more in detail in a few minutes. Uh, the, the, on this topic, because not only, because first of all, is that this person will not be able to be, bear children. And, let me be very, very clear. The Gentile woman will not. No, no, no. If, it, if, uh, if a man is, is, uh, does some gay acts while he's alive, when he, if he has to come back, a possible reincarnation for that person will be a woman. This woman, however, will not be able to bear any children. She'll be barren. However, it doesn't necessarily mean that every barren woman who can't have children has this issue in the previous. It's just a possibility. Again, there's so many factors that we're going, uh, we're speaking about, we're just speaking about I one. I have an idea today. Tell me if this is true, but when you think about, like, talking about people coming back and say maybe they did bad things in their past life, but we see the shell. If you see a little girl, it doesn't matter if she was Hitler in her past life or some other bad person, that might be where the soul came from. But what I see is only a body. And I have to relate on the on the oh, 100%. Of humanity. Yeah, you don't want don't try figuring out what they were there beforehand. Right, and be like, wait, based on your personality no, and like my yeah, checklist no. says, you, you know, see, your you previous see, like, life. You cry for the little girl. It doesn't yes, 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 hundred percent. It's for this is for us to know about our own character. Yes, not for us for anyone. Else. No judgment, right? Exactly. No, we don't. Oh, that's for God. Worry about your spirituality and other people's gashmias. Yeah, yeah, not the other way around. So. The, okay, so now, uh, where are we? Male, uh, coming back as a male donkey. A married, somebody, again, who has relations with a married woman. There's going to be a few things. Let me finish this thing and I'll get your question. Uh, female donkey, somebody who has relations with his mother. Comes back as a female donkey. A rabbit is also could be for homosexual, uh, you know, relations. A, reasons I cannot give you. I, I'm just dictating from what, uh, from what, uh, well, what I've learned. Come back as Bugs <laughs> Not Bugs Bunny. Um, uh, homosexuality. Homosexuality, I thought that was the other Also, so again, it could, be, it could be multiple things. That's why we're going by animal, not by sin. Maybe it's because they, they, they say they produce like rabbits. So like, I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a common thing. I don't know how that... Uh, the mule uh, could either be relations with a daughter-in-law or a sister-in-law. 
A Jew, coming back as a Jewish prostitute is somebody who has relations with a non-Jew. A coming back as a camel is somebody who has relations with his stepmother. Coming back as a stork, a chasidah, Chasidah. A stork is like a bird. Uh, is like a, some sort of bird. Is like I, I don't know. It's like tall. I don't know. I can't. Yeah. So um, is somebody is somebody who has uh, relations with his sister? Okay, stork. Camel is stepmother. No. No. Um, and a white vulture, which is this is really the Kavayasha speaks about, and this actually does speak about it. Is somebody uh, he he calls it rea. Uh, so it's somebody who who's not careful what the, how they uh, you know what they're guarding their eyes. They look at things that they're not supposed to look at. Uh, they get one of the reasons that they come back. It does, it does the Kaviyasha in the second chapter. If you want to look at it, fascinating uh, chapter. Fascinating. The whole the whole sefer is amazing. I strongly recommend it if you're able to read it. It's a very strongly Kabbalistic concept, but it's so amazing that that sefer. What's the Kabbalistic concept called? No, the book is called the Kaviyasha. The, oh, so the, what, the, what's, what he's talking about over here in, in this particular bird is you see the. Um, this bird, the way that it that it has relation, it 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 goes a lot of its uh, its desires are from its eyes. This bird, I I don't even, I can't even explain it. It gains a lot from its eyes. So it's sort of like measure for measure. Every generally things are 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 everything from God is measure for measure. Now it's hard to figure out how we understand it because you know there's only so much that you know that that we're able to understand that you know and go into the real deep secrets of it. This is just like the basics basics. So um so it, it's it again it all goes for measure for measure. Again all these things are if somebody did not do tshuva. If somebody does tshuva, if let's say somebody did these things and they do tshuva, then they don't have to, you know, as long as they did a real tshuva, they could, uh, you know, they don't have to come back from it. You had a question? On the topic or off topic? On the topic. Okay, go. Not to discredit everything that you're saying. Not discrediting me, you're discrediting the Ariza. So, tread carefully. <laughs> me, you could discredit all you want. But for me, this, is, this whole concept doesn't make sense only because of one thing. Okay. I'm listening. Hashem, we and Hashem are all connected. Hashem is one, which means that we're all one, which means that there is no separate nishamot. If everything is one, there is one, like in a dream. And when you're dreaming, you see many people, but they're all you. Okay. There's one consciousness of Hashem appearing as many. You, what you're saying is good, is right, because that's why Kol we are all up. If somebody else sins, it's not only them. I have to pay for that. It's like imagine you're on a boat and someone chops, you know, the wood on the bottom of his boat, uh, bottom of his room, and he and you barge through. You're crazy, going to sink us. And be like, what are you kidding? This is my room. I paid for this. I'm going to make him a hole, mental holes as I want. And be like, you're a fool. The whole ship is going to go down. And that's the way that you're saying is right. However, everybody gets punished for their own sins. At the end of the day, when it comes up to, to heaven, it comes up to you know that you all get judged for your own thing. Okay, we'll have to speak about that. Your, the, your concept that you're understanding is a little bit flawed, and I have to explain it, but, but I can't... Let me just finish this, because I, I, I want to... And let's try to hold off the questions until the end. I had a... Um, not in this class, but I had a different class that was, I completed. There was somebody who kept on asking a lot, a lot of questions, and it disrupts people that they watch online. It's, you know, because they can't hear you. They can hear me. So it's it's sort of like a one-sided conversation. So I do, but the problem is, is that and then we're giving your class and we're not giving the class on topic. So I don't mind. That's fine. I that's what you're supposed to do. I will do that afterwards. You know, I'll even leave the camera on. I'll leave the camera on. We'll go through all the questions, but let's finish through the topic at hand. You want to? You have? A, if you want to write it down, the questions you can write it down. We'll go through everything afterwards. Blinado. Okay, very good. Okay. Is God punching himself?
And so, yeah. So now, let's speak about reincarnation in, in woman. So the Arizal goes and brings down, and it says, uh, this, is, this part is, again, I have, a, I have a, a very hard time understanding this, but I'll, let me explain to you what, uh, what, what I've learned. Is that generally, women do not get reincarnated. Generally, men do get reincarnated. Why? Oh, no, wait, wait. <laughs> You're saying, yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did I say that? I, mean, <laughs> I just agreed. Well, yeah. That's interesting. So the, the, the reason, so the reason behind it is, is that somebody who learns Torah cannot go into hell. The fires of hell cannot, you know, in the olden days, women did not learn Torah. Women. Fires. Fires of Afterwards. It, yes, and hell is hell. Again, okay, hell, hell, hell is hell is hot metaphor. and cold. It speaks about it in physical terms. Metaphor. Well, you don't have a body, so one's gonna burn. Uh, okay, so you have questions. We gonna answer that afterwards. Just because you don't understand it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Just know that. I've died before. Uh, so <laughs> oh, really? You had a near-death experience? Fifteen minutes. Wow. Okay, so I do want to hear 20. that. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I do want to hear that. So, um, okay, so, <laughs> so, so, l- listen. All right, the. The idea is, in the olden days, women didn't learn Torah. So they, they, they were able to go to hell and get themselves cleansed, and that's it, they were good to go. But men would have to come back as reincarnated. Now, I, want to, I wonder, and this is my own thing, is it possible that these days is different? Because nowadays, the women do learn Torah. They go to Beit Yaakov, they, they learn classes, they learn online, they learn, they constantly learn Torah. So I wonder where we're holding it in nowadays. Um, but that's how the, the um, and in fact, the, he brings down, Rabchaim Vital brings down, and says, how come, he says, he says, would it not be preferable for somebody to just go straight to hell, get cleansed, and be finished? Why, why come back again? And he answers it, he answers it, and he says, it really depends on the person. He says, if the person will come back down to this world, and will just keep on putting sin upon sin upon sin upon, then you're right, it's not worth it for that person to come back to this world, better for that person to go to hell. But if the person's gonna come back, and be able to fix himself, and even get even better, then it's worth it for the person to come down to this world. So granted, if we just take this idea and we think about it a little bit, if we're here, that means we have an ability to do so much good. We have an ability to accomplish. If we wouldn't be able to accomplish, then there would be little purpose, unless it's just for the suffering, for a certain sense, of us actually being here, or paying certain back. But, but if a person thinks about it, that you're here, that means you have the ability to succeed. Otherwise, there's no real purpose of you being here. So what's the purpose of life? And why, why do we keep coming back? Are uh, you asking uh, one, of the, one of the questions after questions? We'll speak about it afterwards. We'll speak about it afterwards, no problem. Like, I know we all have questions. Let them speak. Let, we'll, we'll speak afterwards. Let's yeah, let's we'll let's hold the questions. We're almost finished with this with this idea. We'll ask, Bizat Hashem. I'll try as hard as I can to answer all your questions as much as to my ability. So uh, and by the way, questions are excellent. Questions are very very strongly. Okay. <laughs> all, right. all right. So. The um all right that's the idea with uh with the woman. This is we'll see if we have time. I want I want to I want to say this uh um you know if somebody were to you know give you the power that you are able to go and look at the uh, person, you'll be able to see where he was in a previous uh, reincarnation. Would you take that power? Yeah. Some people say no, some people say yeah. One person had that opportunity. Is the, the, when the Rav Aaron of Kalina passed away, his, his closest disciple, Rav Shlomo, was supposed to take him over as the rabbi. And he didn't want it. You know, when you, when you become a rabbi in a, in a congregation, you can't focus on learning to all that. You're helping the, the public and you're working on this and you're, you're constantly doing that. And he said, listen, I, you know, this particular rabbi says, I, I'd rather just sit and learn to all. Get somebody else in the, it's an honorable position. Maybe somebody else will want it. And really, nobody, nobody else was able to take it because he was the most qualified. When he, uh, um, huh? So when uh, uh, the, the rabbi, you know, he wasn't taking it. No one was taking the position. The rabbi Aaron Kalina came to him in a dream. And he told him, and he says, and he told him, and he goes, um, you know, if you accept this position, 
I'll give you a blessing, you'll have a certain power, and that power will be that you'll be able to look at somebody and see what all the previous reincarnation. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, as a big rabbi, as a big capitalist, he'd be like, that's an offer hard to refuse. You know, so he says, fine, you got it. And he accepts it. The next day he accepts the, the he accepts the, the, the you know the, the position. And his first thing he gets he gets a, a note coming from a um, coming from a very wealthy man, comes with a lot of money, you know, the big money, a request for the rabbi, please pray. This person is very, very sick, he's on his deathbed, and you know, he needs you to pray for him. And he says, you know, okay, fine. You know, and he starts praying for this person. A few minutes go by, he gets another note coming from the other end of town. There's a woman that's pregnant, and she's in the middle of labor, and it's the baby's not coming out. It's a breach of some sort of situation, and the baby's stuck over there. And they're saying, please, you know, rabbi, pray that this that this baby can come out, uh, you know, healthy, and it should come out already, because it's, it's causing a lot of pain and suffering and complications for the mother. So the rabbi says, okay, fine. And then, you know, the eyes open up, and he's like, the soul of this old man is supposed to go into the baby of this that's getting born. And the reason why this baby is not getting born yet is because this man is still alive. And he's like, who do you pray for? He says, if I pray for this person, then what's... He's like, so he says, you know what, let it be what's supposed to be. And the person passed away and, and the baby was born. Now the baby was born to a very poor family. They gave, this, this rich family gave him a lot of money for it to pray for the, you know, it's the ka, you know, married. So the rabbi says, listen. Yeah, well, there's a lot of questions that you could say that, and the answers are there's different parts of the soul. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll speak about it. There's need to talk, there's sparks to the soul. So, um, the. Can you give me like a few different people? Yes. You can. It's called Ibu, which I didn't even speak about it. We didn't even get to be like, so the deep, heavy, deep stuff, which Ibu uh, I didn't really speak about, and there's other different concepts which I didn't. And again, the multiple personality, you know, they'll be like, you know, they'll be like, okay, you have different people. It, it's, it's an actual psychological, you know, illness that needs to be medicated with. But, uh, um, but there are concepts that there could be multiple souls in, in one. That result speaks about him. The Nefashot, I should, I should really say the, the right way is Nefashot. So, he goes and he says, okay, this guy, this rich guy gave me the money. He took all the money and gave it to this poor woman who just gave birth. And he says, after all, it's really his money, you know, the baby's money. And this, this baby was born, and he was, uh, he was born to this very poor family. And the way that the paupers used to go is they used to go from town to town asking for, you know, for charity. And they would travel around town to town. So this baby went with his mother and, you know, the father. And they went, you know, I don't know where the, father, where the picture where the father was, but they went town to town collecting money and collecting the charity. Meanwhile, a few years go by. The child gets a little bit older, and the 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 person, the wealthy person that passed away, his grandson is making a a uh, a bar mitzvah or a, a wedding, a simcha. And the custom was you invite all the poor people in town, so they, they they have a special table set up. You know, you have all the family and the friends, and the, the, they have set up, and then you have a special table set up. Anybody who wants poor wants food, come in and and take uh, whatever you want. So. Uh, this poor family heard about it. This baby, and this, he's now he's not really older, and he walks into this. So you know, it's it's in the in the big mansion of this uh, wealthy uh, person's uh, you know old uh, mansion. And he, the kid walks in, and the kid suddenly switches everything. He was always a polite shy kid. He goes in, and they point him and his mother to the to the table on the side, and he's like, he's like, you giving me this? He's like, give me the real meats. Go get me the real meats. And it says with the chutzpah. All the all the, the people are making the the wedding the the, the simcha is saying look at this chutzpah this this kid poor person comes and demanding it. Meanwhile, the rabbi Rabbi Akiva was actually there. He was actually present at the simcha, and he saw the boy, and he realized that this boy was really this guy's father who was making the simcha. So he's like he's like oh man he's like you know what he goes over to the to the to the bala simcha he goes over to the person who's making the simcha he says you know what entertain entertain the kid you know it's a simcha don't cause it let him have the good meat. So I said fine you know what? let him have the you know let him have the good meat. Meanwhile, you know, the rabbi saw that things are under control, so he went and he, and he left the, the simcha. Meanwhile, 
finished, the boy finishes eating his nice happy meal, and uh, the custom was also that the go and the, the people of the Simcha will give a little bit of charity to the poor people that came also to get the uh, food. So uh, they go and they give the boy's mother, the boy, you know, a few penny, a few, you know, small, small coins. So he takes his small coins, he throws it back to him, says, give me this copper coins, bring me the gold from the treasure, you know, downstairs, whatever, and he starts to, you know, and the guy's like, and now the, you know, the rabbi wasn't here to protect him anymore. That's says, that's enough. And he goes and he kicks this kid out of the house. He throws him out of the house. He says, unbelievable, the chutzpah that the kid has. When the rabbi heard this story, he says, you know, he prayed that this, his, uh, this gift should be taken away. He says, I can't, I can't see this. He says, this guy threw out his own father from his own house because, you know, he, he, didn't, he couldn't figure it out. This guy's being a chutzpah. He says, we never, you never know the person that you're meeting, the person that you're dealing with, the person that you're having a disargument with, a disagreement with, you never know who you were in a previous life. You're saying the boy used to be... The, the Baalas Simcha's father. The, 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 the one who was throwing the party... His father. This boy used to be his father, and the father threw... The boy out. The boy out, because the boy who was demanded, his father, demanded. threw him out. <laughs> no, 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 we're not going that back. No, the boy... No, no, no. That's it. That's the end of it. The boy, the father threw out the little boy out. The That's it. The little boy out. Why? He was a chutzpah. He didn't know that it was his father in a, in a, in a reincarnation. But why, why did he do that? Why? What, what, the, the, oh, the boy was being uh, disrespectful. He threw out the... Okay. Yeah. The boy was thrown out. We need a chart. His father... Was his father in another reincarnation? No, his father... Okay, yeah, yeah. The, the one who threw the party and the boy, they used to be father and son in a different life. Yes. Let, let's... You know what? I'll explain it afterwards also. I'll explain it. Story is very... You know what? 30 seconds? I'll explain it right now. It's very simple. You have the boy. The boy was a reincarnation of this wealthy of this wealthy family's father. He came over to this wealthy family's, you know, Simcha, and he requested that he had the certain, you know, the uh, the best meat, the best wine, the best, I mean, sorry, not the best, but the best, the, the most expensive, the coins, the gold coins. And the guy who was throwing the party didn't know that he was dealing with his own father in a previous reincarnation. So he's like, you know what? Kicked him out. End. Period. Make sense? Okay, good. So, the idea that we learn from this concept is very, 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 very important. You see somebody, you're dealing with somebody, you don't know who that person was. You don't know who that person was in a previous life. And I don't know if, I don't remember if I said this story in, in my last class, and I apologize for the people listening online if they do hear it again, but uh, there was once a woman that, uh, um, she, she, uh, um, she did not get along with her daughter-in-law at all. I might have said this in a class, this in the previous class. She did not get along with her daughter-in-law at all. So, they fought in this, and finally, you know, this woman was, was much older, and her husband passed away. Finally, the husband comes to her in a dream and he says you know if you know who your daughter-in-law is you would run to kiss her and she says you're this daughter-in-law of yours she was somebody who was really really close to you when you were when you were younger and passed away and she came back as a reincarnation and when she heard that she ran in the middle of the night she walked woke up she ran to the daughter-in-law and started crying and hugging her and from then the the you know the relationship changed says you're dealing with people People are like, oh, I hate this person. I love this person. You don't know who people are. How careful a person has to act in their, in their own life, in their own dealings with other people, whether it be your spouse, your parent, your sibling, or just some random stranger. You could be sitting, somebody could cut you off in the street. You don't know what, what was going on in a previous life. You don't know what was going on, you know, in a, in a different world. What's amazing, there were times where I met, I just met someone. I don't know them. I know I never met them in my life, but I feel like I know them my whole life. Yeah, yeah we spoke about that last week. Deja vu, like a deja vu type of... I know yeah. you, but I never met you. I know yeah. I never met you before, but I feel yeah. like I know you. And they feel like they know me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So let I want to finish off with... Uh, we'll be done in like, uh, you know, like two, three minutes. I want to give examples. No, well then we have questions. We have questions.
We have questions. I hope I don't have enough battery for the questions. So, uh, uh, so, so um, we'll, we'll speak. I want to, I want to give some two, two specific, uh, proofs of, or actually examples of the Torah of reincarnation, and then, uh, we'll open up to any questions. Number, uh, number one, the, um, Cain and Hebel. Everyone's familiar with the story? Cain killed Hebel. So it says that, that, uh, it's brought down that Cain came back as a reincarnation as Yitro. And Moshe came back as a reincarnation as Hevel. Now, one of the reasons that Cain killed Hevel, which is not as popular as the, you know, the, the, the Kalbanot wasn't accepted, was that Hevel came back with two sisters. He was born with two twins. Excuse me, Cain was born only with one twin. So he was jealous that how come his brother got two girls and he only got one girl. And was, so he actually killed his brother over a woman. That's why, yeah, that one of the reasons. That is why... What is, Yitro, who come, who's coming in reincarnation of Cain, what did he have to do in order to correct it? Again, you're here to correct something. What did he have to do? He had to go and he gave her Tzipah. Tzipah was his daughter. He says, I killed you in a previous life for a woman, now I'm going to give you a woman. So he goes and he gives, he gives him a woman. Now they say that during the time of Moshe, who was Hevel, there was somebody else, he killed an Egyptian. Remember that story? He killed an Egyptian, looked left and right, didn't see it, killed an Egyptian. That Egyptian was also a spark from Cain as well. He says, because in a previous life, in a previous life, Cain killed Hevel. Now Hevel went back and killed Cain in a previous life. Everything comes, everything comes, everything comes together at the end of the day. You're here for something. You're here for a purpose. Karma, sometimes karma. Uh, karma is probably a non-Jewish way of saying, you know, things are supposed to happen the way it's supposed to happen. But yeah. Let me t- let me t- explain you something in Parashat Shemini. By the way, there's, there's books and explanations of these that is so beautiful, but it, we don't have the time. So I picked these. Uh, there's there's uh there's some of them uh, I think Marami Pano I think but but I have to I can find out for you there's one book that's in English that you don't get a lot of these things in English that they go through the through the Torah and it speaks about what who came back as who in reincarnation uh, remind me afterwards I can, I have it in my I house. Bring you a book I forgot to bring my book I had a book for you. Book Anua. Reincarnation. Oh yeah. Yeah, from by uh, Trenman. Oh okay so yeah please I would like to uh, uh, see that so. So now I want uh, Nadav and Aviu. Nadav and Aviu, if you're not familiar with the story, is what happened was is that they, um, the, the, those are the temples, uh, re- the dedication of the temple, and there was a mizbeach on the outside, and there was a mizbeach on the inside of the Kodesh Kodesh, you know, in, in the holy, you know, the holy part. Uh, well, the all is holy, but the holy is other holies. And uh, what happened was is when they brought the korbanot from heaven, a fire came on the outside mizbeach, but it did not come on the inside mizbeach. And Nadav and Aviu are looking at that and be like, well, this doesn't look good. It looks like, you know, what's, it's, it's not, so they went and they took a fire from the outside Mizbeach, and they brought it into the inside Mizbeach, and they lit the fire, because they're thinking like, you know, we need to do something, you know, it, it doesn't look good, they're thinking they're doing the right thing, but really they were doing the wrong thing, and they died from that, right, so the fire went inside them, and they died for that, they, they shouldn't have done what they've done, and one of the reasons why, why they were doing what it was wrong, is, is they thought they're making a Kedush Hashem, but in essence, they're making a Chilul Hashem, they're desecrating God's name, as if God needs you to come and bring a fire, like if God brought a fire from heaven on the outside one, he could have just as well as done it from the inside one, he didn't need you to go and bring it in, and because of that, that was, that was a problem of a Chilul Hashem, so what did they have to do, now you look in the story, fast forward. God punished them on something that they didn't know. First of all, when you're, when, it's not the fact that you didn't know. No, so that's something else. But let's say somebody who had the ability to find out, but they didn't know. Again, you don't get. Well, you know what? I'll answer that. It's also a long answer in itself. You get punished for something that makes sense. You know, somebody who was born in Siberia, never knew that he was a Jew, is not getting punished because he didn't keep Shabbat. So they didn't understand. Who said that? They thought they're doing the right thing. That's right. the problem. So they thought. Them, you ever heard of the road to hell is paved with good intentions? Right. But so There's a reason for that. He's the father and the king. Okay, so your questions all foil back to the same idea. So Most of your questions, by the way, if you don't realize it, are all the same concept. They're all one answer. Okay, so... Um, 
But in any case, the, uh, the any case, uh, um, going back to this, fast forward, fast forward much, you know, further, further on in, in history, and there is the story where Pinchas killed uh, Zimri and Kuzbi. What happened was, is there were, there were two people. There was a there was a big uh, um, problem going on in the Jewish nation with uh, you know relations with the Moabi uh, woman and. Pinchas got so zealous for God that he went and and he stuck it right in while both of them were in the middle of an act. Uh, Zimri was was with Kuzbi and he killed them both at the time, which is in that particular instance it is allowed to be do, uh, to do that. It's something or more or less that you should you know like don't try this at home type of uh, situation. Don't become zealous for God because nowadays it's in a different uh, we're in a different world. But what happened was Pinchas killed he killed the the, the prince of Shimon the tribe of Shimon and he killed them and he was so what, what happened was is that. The entire tribe of Shimon saw that he killed them. They were ready to kill him. So you can, you just killed our prince. So he was so scared that it says that his neshama left him. But and who came back in? Nadav and Abihu came back into him. Now the question is, oh, there were two people. If there are two people, how is it possible that one person come back to two people? And the answer is very simple: is that there were two halves. They never got married. So they really they come. They, you're half of one soul. They never got married, so they combined into into one. They went into in, into Pinchas. Now, who, who is this? Who is this? Nadav and came back as a reincarnation into Pinchas. Now, P, Pinchas, we know that is Eliyahu and Avi. Was, was no, no, Nadav and Avi are both men. That's Yosef's So sons. two men were supposed to get married. Two men were supposed to get married to two different women, but they didn't. So they're just half of a soul. So now they're one soul in one person. They came back as Pinchas. They didn't come back while while he was still the, his soul left. And they came right in. Have you entered Pinchas. the soul of Pinchas, the body, the, entered yeah. Pinchas when his soul left? Wow. So now we go, no, we're just, uh, yeah, we're just warming up. So, the, when, when uh, what happened was in the time of, of, of Eliyahu, there was a very, very odd thing that was going on in the Jewish nation. They were learning Torah, they were praying to God, but they were also serving Baal. They were also serving idolatry. Which was like, Eliyahu Navi is like, pick one. Yeah, what do you mean? It's like, you know, you go to, to the dirtiest place, you know, in Manhattan, and then you come to Shiva Torah, and be like, which, what do you, what, what are you focused on in life? So, you know, so like, the, you're serving idols, and then you're doing, you're going, you're going to the Torah. Pick, pick which one. And they said, we do, how are we supposed to pick? They're both good. So this is okay. We'll make a test. He says, you go call all the prophets of this, of this idol worship, the bomb. And he says, we are going to make a, a, uh, altar. And we'll make an altar for them, and we'll make an altar for God. And let's see where the fire comes from. And whoever wins, wins. And that's where you all, you all should be. So they said, that's a good idea. And meanwhile, Baal, the, the prophets of the idol worship, said, you know what? Yeah, all right, we could cheat. We're going to go and we're going to hide somebody under the altar, which they will light up when we call and scream out for, for you know, our, our idol worship. They'll light up the fire. You know, they'll sacrifice themselves, but it, they'll take one for the team. So um, they, that's what they did. They went and Baal built an altar, and Eliyahu and Avi built, uh, built, uh, built a altar. And uh, they Baal, so Eliyahu said, "Bechavod, you know, go first. So he goes. Uh, they go over and they start screaming, you know, to their praying to their to their you know to their to their deity to their you know idol. Bring the fire down. Let it rain fire, you know. And, uh, and apparently they were black priests or whatever. A pastor. I don't know why I came out that. Uh, but in any case, they go and they start screaming and screaming, and nothing's happening. Meanwhile, they're like kicking the altar, they're like, "Dude, light up the fire now!" And <clears throat> what they didn't realize is that God made a miracle that a snake would come over there and kill that person that was hiding inside over there. And they're screaming and screaming. So Leah and Avi was saying, he, the, "Your God doesn't hear them. You got to scream louder." You know, sort of like, you know, pulling their... So they screamed louder till blood was coming out of their eyes. And meanwhile, after hours and hours of screaming and nothing happening, they were like, alright, he says, you know, can I, can I give it a shot now? 
And Eliyahu Navi goes, and he pours water all over the altar. Takes three buckets, pours water all over the altar. Which means it's not conducive for fire, by the way, water. So, and then he prays. And he prays to God. And God makes a miracle, and the fire comes out from heaven and burns up the Koban. And then everybody realized, you know, that it was for, uh, um, you know, that, that it, the real, the real, the real God, the real religion, the real thing that you need to follow is a Torah. Now it says, right after, what, who, now again, who was inside of them was Nadav and Aviyu were inside Pinchas. What happened was, what was their problem? Their problem was they were brought a fire down from heaven, they brought a fire into the Beth HaMikdash where they shouldn't have brought a fire. So their kapara, their atonement would be now to bring a fire where it should have happened. So that's where Pinchas comes in, and then it says, right after the, this happens, it says an interesting pasuk. Listen to this pasuk, it says, Vayar, Vayekam, Vayelech al nafsho. Vayar, and he got up, and he saw, and he returned to his nefesh. Very odd, what, what does it mean he returned to his nefesh? And the answer is, is that once this tikkun happened, Nadav and Abiyu, which was inside Pinchas, were able, the tikkun was completed, they left. And Pinchas went back into, it was, uh, was back into this, uh, to, to this, uh, uh, to, to, to his body. And that there, the reason is, is because everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a purpose. You have to, you complete the cycle. You're completing something. You mess it up, you have to come back. And we see exactly where they messed up is exactly where they had to come back. Okay. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.